We're in the second week of a six-week series studying the New Testament book of James. And the writing contains a solid blueprint, God's wisdom for living in the real world. So today's study focuses on lifestyle, who you are, how you live, what you think, and on being a genuine follower of Christ. I'm reminded of the joke about the, the zoo that had fallen on hard times. Some of their animals had died, and so as a last resort, they had opted for an unorthodox solution. When a student from the local college answered their help-wanted ad, they explained, Last week our gorilla died, and he has been a big attraction at the zoo, and so we want you to wear this gorilla costume and pretend to be the gorilla. Just ape it up, have fun with it, it's easy. The college student really got into it. He loved his job. He'd shake the bars on his cage and eat bananas and splash the the crowd. Everything was going great until the door to the adjoining cage didn't get latched properly. And as a result of his antics, it slowly sprung open. The zoo's lion housed in the adjacent cage nosed it open And then the stately king of the jungle entered the gorilla's cage and slowly started to approach the costumed gorilla. In fear, the student began to offer a muffled yell from within his costume. Stop! No! Help! The lion hissed, quiet, shut up or you'll ruin everything. (laughs) Do you think you're the only college student who needs a job? Well, they were running the zoo on a bunch of fakes. You know, the Christian life is a calling for us to be real. And the focus of the book of James that we're studying is this emphasis on being real, being authentic, being genuine, not fake. There's no place for posers who fake their faith and don't bother to obey what God tells us to do. So James issues a challenge for each of us today to become a 24-7 Christian and do what God says. We learned last week that James, the letter, was a general letter. It was intended to be widely circulated and shared with the early churches. It was not written for a specific local church. And we begin our study today in James chapter 1, starting in verse 19. And the first teaching that James gives us is a challenge to get cleaning. I'm not talking about, hey, the house is a wreck with the decorations and the wrapping paper from Christmas. We need to get cleaning. I'm talking about get cleaning our lives. We learn in Acts 2.38 that we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit when we are immersed. He moves in. He takes up residence in our bodies. And so we want to provide a suitable home for him. So with his help, we get cleaning. That is removing the, the items, the habits, the practices that would dishonor this honored and, and valued guest. Listen to verse 19 of James 1. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, 
and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. I'm not going to drill down right now on that topic of our speech because two weeks from today in week four of our study, we'll be studying speech control and devoting the topic of the entire message that morning. So as we get cleaning, we need to, James says, be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Xenon, the Greek philosopher, said, we've been given two ears and one mouth so that we might listen more and talk less. James goes on in verse 21, therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. We live in a culture today where moral filth is not only available, it is readily available. The evil that is so prevalent, it says, and we need to guard against its subtle effect on us. It invades our music, our movie screens, our computers, our TV viewing. And so as a safeguard against its corrosive influence, let's ask ourselves these three questions. Number one, would I be watching this program if the Holy Spirit were sitting in the family room beside me? Because he is. Question number two, would I be watching this at the, would I want to be watching this at the moment of Christ's return? Because he could come back for us at any time. And number three question is, would my heavenly father approve of my choices or would my disobedience break my father's heart? A Christian high school student was invited by friends to a party that she knew would be wild. After she declined the offer to attend, her friends began to pressure and and tease her in an effort to make her change her mind and join them. And one taunted, what's the matter? Are you afraid that your father will hurt you? She said, no, I'm afraid if I go, I'll hurt my father. And that's why we should obey out of a love, out of a motivation to please our heavenly father. So that means we need to go out with the old moral filth and in with the new moral fiber. There's a a rule of Bible interpretation that states when you see the word therefore, you need to stop and see what it's there for. Because therefore is a conjunction. It's a a linking word. So therefore serves as a pivot. It, It points us back in our attention to the previous statement. So when James says, therefore get rid of all moral filth, it pivots back to the preceding phrase, which says, produce the righteousness that God desires. So James is commanding us, get rid of all moral filth in your life so that you can produce the righteousness that God desires. Out with the old, in with the new. And the start of a new year is a perfect time for resolutions, for goals, for, for new standards. 
out with the old and with the new. We need to create a place where God can dwell, a clean place, a consecrated place, a controlled place. Listen to what the Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 14. He said, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. You know, Christians have moved from that darkness, from that ignorance of where we were previously. We, we don't feel that we are better than non-Christians. There's no sense of pride or moral superiority. Instead, our transformation is more of a metaphor where we were formerly blind, but surgically we now have been enabled to have sight, to find real purpose, to be brought from ignorance, from darkness, to be enlightened. And verse 15 there in 1 Peter 1 says, But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, Be holy because I am holy. The next thing we, we need is a, a complete purging, not just a, a spot clean or a sponge bath. We need to get rid of all of the moral filth. It's not just some or part of it, or I'll clean up this area of my life, but I'm, I'm going to hold on to this habit. I really don't want to let go of that. He says, get rid of all moral filth. Jerry Clowers is a, a Baptist minister and a comedian. He's, he's known for his sense of humor. Jerry came from a large family, and by large, I mean they had 14 children. And Clowers tells about one day when one of his brothers was playing in a 55-gallon barrel drum, and he just got covered in, in sticky black tar. And their mama was so upset as she looked at the mess covering his younger sibling that she exclaimed, look at this mess. Instead of trying to clean you up, I just think it'd be easier to have another child. <laughs> well, when, when you had 14, she, she probably was right. Yeah. Well, it, admittedly, None of us has the power to self-clean. We require the Holy Spirit to clean us of the stains that soil and cover us all. I remember years ago, I was driving on 270 in Columbus, Ohio, and I noticed this white van that was discolored to a dull gray. It just had this dingy coating of dust all over it. And as I looked at it more closely, I was taken by the irony of that moment. I discovered that the name of the business on the van, uh, this commercial van, was none other than Toledo Power Wash. So here was this mobile high-pressure washing unit that existed to clean large commercial items with its powerful spray of water. But ironically, the vehicle itself was filthy. The vehicle's purpose was to be a cleaning machine, but it hadn't taken care of itself first. And I was reminded of what Jesus said when he taught us that it's good to help clean others up, but first we need to clean up ourselves. And only the Holy Spirit can really clean any of us. In the book, The Great Divorce, author C.S. Lewis 
emphasizes our inability to get clean on our own and the need for divine help in order to get our lives headed in the right direction. He he writes of a, a busload of people who travel to heaven in this fictional book on their way to take up residence in hell. And the people appear thin, almost ghost-like in the robust atmosphere of heaven. And most of them immediately flee back into the comfort of their bus. But one ghost who is plagued by a talkative red lizard perched on his shoulder, representing the power of sin and lust, that ghost ventures out into the plains of heaven and encounters an angel. And Lewis describes their, their meeting as a parable of God's invitation to break the power of sin in our lives and to transform it into something for his glory. As I share this, see if you don't recognize the tension of this familiar struggle. A a mighty angel approached the man and asked, would you like me to make the lizard quiet? Of course I would, said the ghost. Then I will kill it, said the angel taking a step forward. Oh, uh, uh, look out, you're you're burning me. Keep away, said the ghost, retreating. Don't you want him killed? Well, you didn't say anything about killing him at first. I I hardly think we need to bother with anything so drastic as that. It's the only way, the angel said. Shall I kill it? Uh, Look, it's gone to sleep of its own accord. I'm sure it will be all right now. Uh, Thank you ever so much. May I kill it? Honestly, I don't think there's the slightest necessity for that. Uh, I'm sure I'll be able to keep it in order now some other day, perhaps. There is no other day. Get back. You're burning me. How how can I tell you to kill it? You'll kill me if you do. It is not so. Why? You're hurting me now. I never said I wouldn't hurt you. I said I wouldn't kill you. And suddenly the lizard began chattering. Be careful. He can do what he says. He he can kill me. One fatal word from you, and he will. And then you'll be without me forever and ever. And and I'll be so good. I I, I admit, I've sometimes gone too far in the past, but I, I promise I won't do it again. Have I your permission, said the angel to the ghost. You're right. It would be better to be dead than to live with this creature. Then I may blast you. Go ahead. Get it over bellowed the ghost, but ended whimpering, God help me, God help me. The next moment, the ghost gave a scream of agony such as I have never heard. The burning one closed his crimson grip on the reptile, twisted it while it bit and writhed, and then he flung it broken-backed on the turf. And then I saw unmistakably solid but growing ever moment more solid, The ghost began to materialize into a man not much smaller than the angel. At that same moment, something seemed to be happening to the lizard. At first, I thought the operation had failed. So far from dying, the creature was still struggling and even growing as it struggled. And as it grew, it changed. And what stood before me now was the greatest stallion I had ever seen, silvery white, with a mane and tail of gold. And the man, now free from his torment, climbed onto the stallion that had been his sin 
and rode it into the glowing sunrise toward the Savior. Get cleaning. As I read on in James 1, we're challenged to get doing. More and more people are relying on their Fitbits to monitor and measure their steps, their activity, their rest. And the recommendation is that everyone should actively be taking 10,000 steps or more each day. That is the equivalence of the fact that you can read about fitness all day long, but it won't accumulate any steps for you. You can read inspiring articles on fitness, watch motivational videos on diet and exercise, but that won't make you lose weight or become healthier. It is only when we take steps, when we go into action, when we move that we produce the desired life change that improves our physical health. And that same application rings true in terms of our spiritual lives. Hearing a message, reading the Bible, joining a life group, and our life groups are going to get started in, in the next two weeks as they're being finalized right, right now. These are all steps that can help produce transformational life change. But it's only when we take action and get doing what we know God wants us to do that we effect true change in our lifestyle. That is change and how we live. It, it starts with the man or the woman in the mirror. James says in verse 22, do not merely listen to the word and, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Verse 23, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. It's not just about receiving information. It's not just about getting inspiration. It's about action and doing and experiencing transformation. You can't just talk the walk, but we also have to walk the talk. And so actions speak louder than words. Last week in James 1, we learned that there's a blessing when we persevere under testing. And today's text talks about another promised blessing that accompanies our action. It's about not forgetting to get doing. James 2.25 says, those who look intently at the perfect law that gives freedom, not forgetting it, but doing it, will be blessed in what they do. You see, we can suffer from a spiritual dementia affliction. We can forget why we are here and, and what we are to be doing. And Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, answers that age-old question about why are we here on earth? Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. James goes on and elaborates in the second chapter, verses 14 through 17. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? 
Can such a faith save them? Suppose a, a brother or sister is without clothes or daily food. If one of you says to him, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is that? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. Someone's struggling, and you say, hey, good luck. I'm cheering for you. That's not the right response. The right response is, how can I help you? How can I lighten your burden? How can I come alongside? How can I hold you accountable in this struggle? And we follow through in that way. I've stood beside the bedside of a half dozen people at that actual moment of their deaths. And the fact that we have a spirit housed in a physical body is, is never more apparent than at that, that moment. The lifeless shell vacated by the spirit of life is still, it's, it's expressionless, it's quiet. And just as a hand animates the glove, so also the spirit animates the physical body, giving it life, producing motion, making it alive. And so James 2.26 grimly suggests, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. So get cleaning, get doing, and don't just stop there, but, but take action and finally get serving. Verse 26 in our text says, Those who consider themselves religious and do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress, and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. The principle found here requires that we serve those who are unable to respond. Uh, others who may be unable to respond include the unborn. This month, January, we recall it as the, the 49th anniversary of the infamous Roe versus Wade decision by the Supreme Court, which, which legalized abortion on demand. James is shouting for us today to, to do something, to, to become a volunteer at a, a pregnancy care center or be a, a CASA volunteer to, to, to make a difference in the, the life of, of someone, to financially assist a mother who determines to give life to her baby. We are called to serve those who are often overlooked, neglected, forgotten. Others under that umbrella who may require our protection include single parents, the, the grieving, the homeless, the addicted, the, the spiritually lost. So please understand this morning that you don't have to travel overseas to do mission work and, and serve God. We each have a mission field right here of people we can impact for eternity. Our first assignment is to make a difference in the life of someone beside you, nearby, right here 
in close proximity. But it's not an either-or arrangement. It's a both-and proposal. This assignment is we want to impact the world locally and globally. And our personal objective, our, our mission, our assignment, our task is, is to move from being a Sunday-only Christian to becoming a 24-7 Christ follower. Yeah, it's, it's not enough just to recognize the, the plight of others. We must mobilize to address the, the pain of others. And while we can't do everything, we, we can do something. There's a, a parable about an old man who would rise early in the morning and walk along the beach shoreline. And one day after a storm, he saw a boy in the distance who was reaching down in the sand and picking up starfish and then very gently throwing them back into the ocean. Why are you throwing the starfish into the ocean? The old man asked. Well, the sun is up, the tide is going out, and if I don't throw them in, they're, they're going to die. Well, don't you realize there are miles and miles of beach with starfish all along it? You can't possibly make a difference. The boy listened politely, paused, and bent down, picked up another starfish, and, and then he threw it in the sea past the breaking waves, and he said, made a difference to that one. And so the challenge is for us to get serving. Now, how many messages do we have to hear? How many books do we have to read? How many conferences or retreats must we attend? What will it take to produce action in our sometimes passive lives? What's necessary to, to jolt us from spiritual lethargy into eternal activity? What is needed for God to get our attention? Will it require a health scare or uh, a bankruptcy or a family emergency, some other crisis to motivate us to living with intensity for the eternal? If you've been at church for any length of time, you probably realize what God wants you to do, and that's to take action and serve him. So, what are you waiting for? Just do it. The action item for you today is simply to move from passive listening to active obedience. Our first assignment is to make a, a difference with a person nearby. Your starfish may live on your street, shop where you shop, work where you dine, exercise where you work out. And James warns us not to look in the mirror and forget what we've seen. It starts with each of us looking at our own lives in the mirror of God's word, which will reflect the, the changes that need to happen. John Wesley coached, do all the good you can in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, to all the people you can for as ever long as you can. Soren Kierkegaard described a, a parable of a, a church composed where all the members were ducks. And every Sunday, the, the ducks would waddle out of their duck houses down Main Street to their duck church. Their duck minister would come forward and speak from the duck Bible. Ducks, 
God has given you wings. Amen. Amen. We were intended to fly. Amen. That's right. We need to fly. With wings, you can mount up and soar like eagles. And all the ducks shouted, Amen. And then they waddled home. Don't let that describe you today. Get cleaning. Get doing. Get serving. Would you stand right now? We're going to sing a song of response. If you need to respond to the Lord, come forward as we sing.